You're listening to sermon audio from The Shore Church, located in North Vancouver. For more information about The Shore, head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Well, this is it, right? This is the church. This is us gathered together uh, to hear what God has to say to us. But we want to also gather together uh, to get to know one another as well and to be a family together. Uh, to be brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it was really cool. I was able to go and meet another sister in Christ this last week, and we were talking a lot about church and a lot about Jesus and who he is. And, and it was so cool just to talk to someone that <clears throat> lives far away uh, that is actually my sister. And so get to know one another and, and have people over. Don't invite us over today, though, because we have people coming over. All right, so we will continue to invite you over and bring you over. We want to get to know you, and all of you, please come over on July 17th. We would love to hang out with you for that time of barbecue if you're in town. Well, let's read God's Word together. We're going through a bigger text. I'm excited about this text, but man, it is a... Another punch in the gut, uh, but a lot of fun uh, to go through this. So this is Ecclesiastes 5, verses 8 through 20. Uh, This is a a big chunk, but uh, buckle up. Here we go. This is God's word. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way a king committed to cultivated fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil, a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun, Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, which is look now, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. This is the word of God. All right, grab a seat. I'm not sure if you remember last week we talked a little bit. We went back, tracked a little bit. We hit verses 1 through 7. We talked about prayer and vows, the things uh, that are coming out of our mouth, the promises. And there was 12 imperatives, right? Like 6 and then 6, 12 imperatives. Anybody can remember those 12 imperatives? Me neither. Uh, But let's remember three together. All right? Three together. Guard your steps. Don't be a fool. Right? Guard your steps. Don't be a fool. And God is the one you must fear. So let's remember those three. Guard your steps. Remember the way your feet are going. That's the direction you're going to travel. Guard your steps. Don't be a fool. Don't forget that God exists. 
And God is the one we must fear. So I'm sharing this because we had those 12 imperatives and Solomon in this text today, the eight through 20 that we just read is talking about some different things. It's going, he's, Solomon's going back to looking at things under the sun and watching these things under the sun again. And in your Bibles, you might see the heading of this text. If you look in your Bibles, it is actually vanity of wealth and honor. Vanity of wealth and honor. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take one step closer to the heart, the inner man of each one of us, and we're gonna hit three subpoints. So vanity of wealth and honor, and the three subpoints are justice, honor, and service. Justice, honor, and service. So let's pray and then jump, we'll jump into our text this morning. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are God, that we are not. Thank you for that separation to help us understand this. Thank you for guiding us to this place that we might learn together, that we might be your church together, that we might gather under your word, under your preaching, under your, your teaching. For this is not my teaching, this is yours. So help us, Lord, understand what you have to say to us. Help us apply it to our lives and help us change from one degree of holiness to the next for your glory, for your justice, for your honor, for your service. And so I pray this in your precious name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Well, justice, honor, and service. Three words, right? Ju remember these three words. Justice, honor, service. These are three things that we're going to go through uh, through this text. There's four kind of uh, paragraphs that are in this text. I'm going to stick with those paragraphs and we're going to hit justice, honor, and service through each one of those paragraphs together as we walk through this text. And we need to remember, guard your steps, don't be a fool, and God is the one we must fear. So let me show you in the text this morning. I've followed the breaks, like I said, in the paragraphs that were given, and we're going to hit those subpoints. So let's look at the first section, verses 8 and 9. That's the first paragraph in your Bibles. Take a look at it on the screen or in your Bibles. It says, if you see in, the, in a province, in the province, the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way. A king committed to cultivated fields. So many have trouble with this, these verses. And if on the first read, it's like, what in the world is he talking about? Right? We just talked about prayer. We just talked about vows. Now he's talking about this. Like, what is going on here, Solomon? What are you trying to reveal to us on the things that you're looking at under the sun? So, but the more you spend time with these verses, the more you actually need those three points. The guard your steps. Don't be a fool. And God is the one you must fear. So let's take a look at justice first. And we're going to hit those three subpoints now in all these paragraphs. So justice, morality or the desire for justice is in all of us, is it not? Like we love justice, right? We, we, we seek it out. We, we want to help the innocent. When, when we see someone being oppressed or if you personally have been oppressed, we want justice for ourselves. We want, we want to be spared from the things that are oppressing us. We want this. And there's stories in the Bible over and over again that we see this, right? Right from the beginning, Adam and Eve, right? And you know when, when something has gone wrong. There's something deep inside of all of us that knows something is wrong. There's, there's not a right thing here. 
And when you're the oppressor against the kingdom of God, you, you feel that. And that's what Adam and Eve did, right? They ate the forbidden fruit. They rebelled against God's command. And they felt shame for the first time. You guys remember feeling shame? Maybe it was even this week. Shame for the first time. They realized they were naked and they were filled with shame when they ate that forbidden fruit. And, they, and they, then they heard the voice of the Lord and they went to hide and they tried to cover themselves with leaves and, and, and branches and shrubs and, and just to hide themselves. And they felt in their, in their inner man this, there was something wrong. They knew that they knew that they knew something was gone, gone wrong. Or Moses saw his people in slavery. He grew up in the nation of Egypt. Egypt was growing him up, but yet he knew his people. And his people were in slavery for 450 years. And he saw his person here, his people, and he was in his Egyptian garb. And he sees a slave master beating his person, like his people. And he knew that he knew that he knew that something was going wrong. And he fought for the innocent. He just did it in a wrong way. He went and killed that slave master and then he had to flee for his wrong action. Then you have King David was awakened to his unjust behavior, his oppression toward Uriah, Bathsheba, and his own people because he was the king. He was to be at war at the time, but he he stayed back and it led him to adultery. And Nathan the prophet awakened him to his sin and he was filled with this justice was broken and it was him that was at fault. Or what about us? We see someone steal or harm another so we pull out our cameras and document what is going on. We see this all around. If you're looking at YouTube or, or this thing called TikTok, no idea what this is. You younger folks, you know, TikTok uh, and all this kind of stuff. There's videos of people watching other people do things but also there's the, all these different videos of showing innocence being broken. And we, we pull out the cameras and shine this on the incident because we're fighting for justice for these people. Or at the scene of an accident, what do you do? When you see a, an accident, two cars colliding with one another, you, you, you pull over, you jump out and you go, here's my phone number, here's my email address. I saw that you were actually the innocent party. Here's my information. Anytime you want to contact me, contact me. I'll be a witness for you. See, the oppressed, the innocent, the weaker, we have a sense of morality and bent for justice in all of us. Why? Why? Why is this? Well, the Bible's really clear. It's because God placed it on your heart. In Jeremiah 31, 33, it says, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Or in Romans chapter 2, verse 15, says as well, it says in multiple areas, but it says again, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. See, but the problem is, even though we have this bent, we have a bent towards suppressing that truth as well, don't we? Like we have scripture verses on that as well, like Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20-ish. All right, it's, it's looking at the attributes of God, the, the wonder, the, 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 the power, the creation the creator has, the attributes of God that are his invisible attributes are all around us constantly. And what do we do? We suppress them. Why? Because we want justice. See, this is not just a, a passage on that Solomon is preaching and teaching. We're going closer to the heart here. It's a kingdom of self versus a kingdom of God. And these three, three subpoints of justice, honor, and service are highlighted. We want what we want. 
We want our desires met. We want our wants fulfilled. We want our kingdom served. This is who we are. This is why we rebel. This is why we suppress the truth. I want my needs met. I want my desires fulfilled. I want my wants taken care of. So even in the place of righteousness, even in the place of righteousness, I get me cared for. It's a violation. See, do you see the tendency of the human heart working to get fulfilled? But friends, do you see it in you? Like carrying this for this last week has been hard because I see it in me all the time. But I want to challenge you as well. Do you see it in you? Suppressing the truth for the sake of your kingdom over the sake of God's. Justice for you over justice for God. Do we do this? I know I do all the time. We need to seek the kingdom of God, justice for him. This is, what cre- that's, this is what makes us different as followers of Jesus Christ. See, the second idea here in this passage is honor in this first section, eight, nine. Verse eight again, it says, the high official is watched by higher and there are yet higher ones over them. See, in one way or another, we are either uh, a boss or a slave. We have people that honor us in our life, or we are honoring someone else. There's someone higher than us that we are honoring. And we talked about this back in uh, the like winter-ish time, I can't remember, but in Ephesians chapter five, right in the end of Ephesians five, when we were working through that, that book, and at the beginning of chapter six, I'm not sure if you remember what I was saying, but what I was talking about is our true identity. Our true identity is either child, bride, or slave. That's our true identity. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're a bride of Christ, we're a child of the Father, of, of, of the Heavenly Father, or a slave of his kingdom. That's our true identity. That's who we are. And it, it comes out of the Ten Commandments that God scribed on, on the stone tablets with his finger, giving him the, to Moses, and the commandment to honor your father and your mother. See, the idea here, here is that we are all placed in a position. We're given a position of honor, every one of us, in this world. Whether you're a boss or a slave, you are a slave to God. You're a slave to his kingdom. He is on the highest realm and no one's higher. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and we are under him. This is the position of honor we've been placed in, but he's also given us a position of honor within our families, a position of honor in our workplace, a position of honor in our neighborhoods. See, no matter the position you are placed in under the sun, you are a slave and a child of God. So each one of us right now have been given a place of honor in these areas, in the city, in your neighborhood, and in your families. So the application for this first section when it comes to honor is when it comes to honor, how are you using the position of honor that you have been given? Are we using it to honor ourselves or are we using it to honor God? Again, a hard question that I had to carry this week. Am I using my position of honor that I've been given to honor God's kingdom? The third idea in this text for this morning is service. Verse nine, but this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. Like think about what in the world does that mean? 
why is this gain for one, but not just gain, why is this gain in every way? In every way. Well, the idea here is that we have a king, one who is in the place of honor, providing for his people by working the land for the sake of the people, serving them, allowing them to work and give to the greater kingdom and in doing so, providing for all under him. Justice for the land, the people, the kingdom. This is the humble king. This is the humble king. There is nothing better than that, it says. The king who serves, the king who lays his life down, the king who cares for his kingdom and others. And friends, aren't you, doesn't that sound like Jesus? Aren't you pumped about having a king like him? Amen. Thank you. Amen. Is that... <laughs> Yeah, again, amen to that too, yeah. We have a king who humbled himself, cultivating the fields, to bringing his people, to caring for his people, to loving his people, to humbling himself, to die for them, to serve them, to provide for them redemption, to re freedom from this slavery of, of rebellion. This is our king. Our king created, placed us in his creation to work, love, and rest in him. To seek justice for the oppressed. To honor all those around us because in the grand scheme of things, we are part of the creation under the king of kings, a slave, a son, an heir. We are heir to the throne. What an amazing position we have been given as followers of Jesus. What is good in every way is that we follow what the king has done. That we serve others, that we serve others. Let's move to our next section. This is a little bit of a tougher one. Verses 10 through 12, it reads this, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is vanity. When, God's in, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. So let's look at first justice in this text. Justice. So Solomon is trying to awaken his listeners that you just might get, like hear me on this, you just might get what you desire. Like if I desire this, I just might get it. But what Satan and the enemy never tell you and what people around you never tell you when you desire something and you go after that, your expectations of what that might look like when you get it might be different when, than what you think. It might be different, right? And we all get this, right? Like, have you ever thought about owning a home or a big piece of land or your own business for that matter? Because really this is what it's talking about, this text. It's the owner of a business with people, employees under him. And see, when you own a business, you have employees. And as the, when the business grows, now you're not just worried about your table being filled with food. You're worried about the table of others and making sure they're happy. But what happens in a, in a bigger business is drama happens and trouble happens. And the, the trouble doesn't go to the employee. The trouble ends off in the owner. There's all this worry and I'm seeing all the produce of what my business is doing, but I'm going, I can't even sleep because I'm worried about, I need to get more employees because this is growing faster than I need to. And I can't even, I'm seeing all this stuff happen. 
but I can't even actually enjoy it. I'm losing sleep over worrying about, now I gotta build fences to protect all my equipment. I gotta do all this kind of other stuff. I gotta find insurance coverage. I gotta do all this thing. I'm worried and the laborer is sleeping. So there's grumbling, there's drama, there's trouble. There is a satisfaction that you seek that will never come. See, Matthew Henry in his commentary put it this way, nature is content with little, grace with less, but lust, nothing. When you lust after something, when you desire, deep desire after something that's not Jesus, it will never satisfy you. Solomon is awaking us to it because he's been doing this for the first five chapters of this book. It's all vanity. In verse 10, it says, he who loves money will not be satisfied. In verse 11, it says more, you gain, the more you gain, the less you actually have time to enjoy. In verse 12, goes one step further, saying the more you seek, the less you sleep. Right, these are the things that are taking place in this text. Well, the laborer, he sleeps well because he doesn't carry the burdens the owner carries. So again, seeking justice for oneself may not look the way you dreamed it would. It may not look the way you dreamed it would. So the application for us is that we, that we stop seeking justice for our self-kingdom and begin to seek justice for God's kingdom. See, it's the justice for his kingdom that will satisfy you. Look at honor. Honor is a gift you give to another. It's a gift. It's not something you gain, but it's a gift to you. Honor is a gift you give to another. To hold a higher position of honor comes with great responsibility. And if you use this honor for your gain to fill your pockets, to bless only your family, again, you will gain riches but never be satisfied. You will f- have a full belly but not, no ability to sleep because of the worries of this world that tend to choke any good fruit. And we know this because Jesus said the same thing as this text here in Matthew 13. And many of you probably have heard this, whether it be in Sunday school or on a Sunday morning, but remember this, the seeds scattered across the different types of soil. And you have someone scattering seed on the soil and the seed is represented by the gospel and it hits a hard path and different paths. And one of those paths is the thorny soil. And the gospel lands into that thorny soil. And the explanation is in chapter 13, verse 22. And it says this, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. Hears the word of God. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word out and it proves unfruitful. It proves unfruitful. Friends, when we forget why we have been placed here on this planet, the things of the world are loud. They draw us in. Do you remember why you're here? Do we remember this? As Christians, we're, it says in the scripture that we're actually aliens. We're, we're not of this land. We have a different king. So do you remember why you're here? Why have we have been placed within this creation? See, we will forget the work we have been given and we will be choked by the temptations of the world if we, if we forget. We are to live in the position of honor that God has given us to glorify him, to honor him. This is the purpose that that we've been given, to honor him by way of evangelism, discipleship, and being in community with one another. 
That's why at the start I had you shaking hands. That's the beginning of it. And it goes on to realize that your family, to, to the, the, the thing, the position why we're here is to bring justice for Jesus' kingdom, to honor Jesus' kingdom, to serve Jesus' kingdom. That's why Jesus left us with love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, and love others as yourself. This is our commands. Don't forget it. This is how we're to live by way of evangelism, discipleship, and community. Look at service in this text. It says we have, <clears throat> we have the choice today to serve our kingdom or serve the kingdom of God today. Either we can serve our kingdom and be about us or we can be about God and fulfill the, the call in our life. See, as soldiers for Christ, we have been given all we need to do the work he has called us to. The question is, are we? Or have we forgotten? Are we about more about building my kingdom and filling my bank account and buying that house or getting that property or building my business? Am I about this or am I about using these things for the sake of honoring and serving and bringing justice to God's kingdom? See that we have, we have I think, many of us, I know for me as well, and I'm saying these things because I'm hitting me with this text as well. And I think we've forgotten the joy of our salvation. Do you remember the joy of your salvation? And let's talk in church right now, right? There was one of us already talking like crazy, which is great. I love it. So what is your joy of your salvation? Let's talk. You can talk now. What's your joy of your salvation? Service, love, yeah, things I've been saying, right? Right? Some of the things, the joy of my salvation, the re recognition, this is why we have this on the stage all the time. What's the joy of my salvation? That Jesus came because I was a sinner. And there's no way I can pay for it. The payment that I deserve is eternal hell. Punishment from God Almighty because I've chosen to be about my kingdom rather than his. And he was merciful and gracious enough to come down to remind me, to help me see the joy of my salvation is in him, not in me. And he lived a perfect life for me, taking the penalty that I deserve upon himself so that I can have life and have a life to the full. And he's resurrected, beating and defeating death so that I too can defeat death in him through salvation in him. This is the joy of my salvation. And he's saying, go and share this with everybody. This is our command, right? We, say, we see this in the end of Matthew 28. We see this in Acts chapter one. Go to all the nations. What? Making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is our calling. Have we forgotten it? Our third section, verse 13 through 17. There's a grievous evil, which means like a deep sorrow that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture and his father, and he is father of a son. But he has nothing in his hand to 
to give over. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days, this is horrible, all his days, he eats in darkness in much vexation and sickness and anger. If we're having trouble with the slides, let's just turn them off. Let's just turn them off so it's not too distracting. So I, I know a family where the husband in this text, like I know a family where the husband was a doctor, like one of those doctors that made a lot of money. Like, like in the 80s, it was like 300 and something thousand dollars a year, which, uh, which is a lot of money, especially in the 80s and, and still today. Anyways, this doctor was married, ha- had two kids. And uh, this doctor rode and drove this amazing sports car. Like, I got to see it, got to touch it, never rode in it. Um, But he uh, had his wife and his two kids, and his wife drove a beat-up minivan, and he gave her an allowance that needed to last for the month, and she would use it for gas, food, all the living costs, to the point where she used food stamps to buy food for their kids. And there was no option to go to the husband to ask for more. She had to make that thing stretch out. Needless to say, that marriage broke after many, many years of abuse. The father had earthly riches, but nothing, nothing to truly give to his family. See, a man who has riches, but nothing to give to his children because of the poor decisions made This is an example of a man that sought his own justice, his own honor, and his own service. This type of life will lead you to loneliness, anger, sickness, and bitterness. That's in verse 17. Matthew Henry, again, in his commentary, wrote, Natural desires are at rest when that which is desired is obtained, but corrupt desires are insatiable. Are insatiable. How are we doing? How are we doing? Dads, we're being given a position of honor within our families. And how are we doing? How are are we using that position of honor to raise our children, to love on our kids, to, to care for our children? See, I'm not talking about riches. I'm talking about something that will will last eternally. Is your first priority that your kids are educated in this world or that they know their creator? Is your first priority to have a large bank account or is it quality time that your kids will never forget? See, we've been given an opportunity to, to, as a a father, as as an honorable position within the family, are we using that to raise and to love on our kids? I think I've said this before here, but man, I I did 15 years of youth ministry and and never did I hear, I wish mom did this. I always heard, I wish dad did this, always. So it's a position of honor, it's just ingrained in us. This is how God created the, the family. See, the greatest gift we can give to our kids, to someone, is someone to place their trust in, their hope in, their life in, and it's not you. It's not you. See, the greatest gift we can give is, is a knowledge and understanding of Jesus. This is evangelism of your family. 
This is discipleship of your discipling them to maturity and being, being in community of, a ch- of the church together. This is why we have kids in this gathering from ages grade seven up. This is what we want to do. This is the philosophy of ministry because we want the community of people together. We want our kids to be in our community groups. We want to know them and to care for them and love them and teach them about Jesus because that is the greatest gift. It's not for our comfort or for their comfort. It's for the sake that they know Jesus. This is why we do these things. See, riches will never satisfy, but Jesus will. Jesus will. Let me close, and it's going to be quick, with the final section, verses 18 to 20. It says this. You can look at it on your, phone, on your phones or your Bibles. It says, Behold, look now. What I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. Friends, do you know like verses 18 and 19, that's the fifth and sixth time we've already heard that statement in this book? And it's going to be more as it coming. So take a listen to these. These are repeated phrases. Fifth and sixth time we've already heard this in these first five chapters. And then verse 20 it says, For he will not much remember that person that God is talking about or Solomon is talking about. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. So justice. Justice. To occupy our minds with joy that God is in control, not us. To remember we are called to love God, love others, and to faithfully make disciples of Jesus to the ends of the world. This is what we've called to do. This is the justice we are to bring to God's kingdom. To bring justice for God's glory, not ours. Secondly, honor. To be thankful for the position of honor we have been given by God and to rest well in it. To rest well in it, not to seek in a higher position, not to, not to, to shirk the responsibility and go to a lower position, but take honor in the position you've been given and bring that honor to God, not to your, your kingdom. To be filled with joy for the sake of his honor, not ours. Our worship and honor must terminate on Jesus, not us. And what I mean by that, and this is the confusing thing, I've used this in counseling many times, if my fist is the end goal, you cannot substitute marriage with that You cannot substitute a house or money with that because it will eventually terminate on that and that cannot hold the weight that you're putting on it. Your expectations will always drop off. The only thing that you can put there is Jesus. Everything else in this world will fall short. But if you put Jesus and terminate that as your end goal, you will have joy. You will have hope. You will have happiness. You will experience what life was meant to be because you're honoring him. And that's the purpose that we've been given. So that's him. Honor Jesus as, and terminate your life on him. That's why he says, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Love God that way. And service to serve with joy the community around us and Jesus is our faithful king. Can you imagine, church, if we did that? To serve one another the way Christ has served us. Like the good king that cultivated his fields. 
that cultivated the field, that gathered the people in, that, that cared for the needs of the people of his kingdom to make sure no one had a need. This is why God set up the church, that we might know each other to the point where we can care for one another and make sure that no one has a need and to love one another as God has loved us. See, the gift of life is a gift. It's a gift, so we eat and we drink and we find fulfillment in him. We work, guarding our steps, not being a fool, and God is the one we must fear. Knowing it is Jesus that we are called to find our joy in, this is who we are for evangelistic sake, for discipleship sake, for community sake, all for his glory. A quote that uh, I have from uh, T, a guy named T.M. Moore says it this way, and this is what I'll close with, and then we'll pray. It says this, take what life will let you earn, enjoy it all you can, and don't complain. Perhaps you'll come to see that all your gain in life is just a gift from God that he allots to you so that you will begin to see that he exists and that he cares for you. And if he gives you wealth, enjoy that too. Rejoice in God's gifts, but let them lead you to consider him, to see your need for him and understand his wondrous, amazing grace. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this word. I thank you for challenging me in it. Um, looking at service in a new way, looking at honoring in a new way and looking at justice in a new way. Lord, I pray that you will help me honor you. I pray that you'll help me seek rather the justice for my own heart, but that I'll seek your justice. Your, it's about your kingdom. It's not about me, Lord. I'm just your servant. So help me, forgive me that I've fallen short so often and so, so frequently and so like every single day. So please forgive me. Take away these things, Lord. Help me be renewed and give me that joy of my salvation. May it be about you, Jesus. May we be about you, Jesus. For that's what you've called us to do. So help us, Lord, in this as we worship and sing and, and rejoice in what you've given us. And may this be an encouragement as we walk out of here and help us remember this and practice this, Lord, that we might put it into a practical, our practical life. And as we walk in, in our neighborhood, as we walk around um, our friends and the people we rub shoulders with. So help us, Lord, be changed for your kingdom's sake. In your name, I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from The Shore Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not charge for it. Learn more about The Shore at www.theshorechurch.ca